Welcome to today's episode of the Hire Hacker Podcast. Today we're going to dig into the metrics behind hire hacking. Um, while some of the outputs might be the same as you're used to, this is going to be a completely different way to think through the metrics um, so that you can get better results. Now, just to scale back and remember what hire hacking is all about. Hire hacking is a way for small and mid-sized companies to approach the hiring marketplace um, and the world that is a competition or war for talent in a way that will play to their strengths and allow them to exploit the weaknesses of the big dogs in the hiring world. If you are picking up Goliath's sword, you're going to lose the battle with him. And when it comes to hiring, that means if you approach hiring the same way as your big giant competitors in the space, as the big dogs in this world, you are going to lose because they've set the battlefield and the rules of the battle to play to their strengths. But if you're a hire hacker, you are there to disrupt the status quo, to flip the paradigm upside down and look at it in a different way. And while last episode we talked about kind of the philosophy or the paradigm that you use, kind of the more you know, playing to your emotional side of exactly how you do it and what you're trying to do. Today, we're going to geek out on the analytical side of your head. I'm going to walk you through the way that hire hackers look at metrics and the way they use those metrics to actually impact the results of their hiring process. So hire hackers love metrics, but maybe not the way that you're thinking about it, right? Um, not the way that an accountant thinks about it. Um, one of the biggest things when you're when you're like a growth hacker or hire hacker, when you're out there hacking along is that you don't have perfection. You know, big companies have tons of data and little guys, they don't have a lot. They have to get used to identifying good enough data. And, and so as we're talking about metrics, I just want to make sure that you understand that metrics are there but have to be balanced against intuition, especially because when you start doing new things, there's just not metrics to back it up. So what we're looking for most of the time is not a massive historical data that tells you what you should do next. Instead, it's a baseline that you can then measure your success as you start making changes and iterating your process. Very different way to think about metrics. And you have to also, as we're going through this, be very careful about looking at industry baseline data for the same exact reason. Again, your big dog competitors won't have the same data because they're approaching this differently right and so again a metric is really the measure of a baseline that's where we start we need a baseline so that we can then identify there's a handful of reasons to have it and trust me the reason is not to just report it to your boss the reason to have metrics is not because management wants them it's not to say well all the other departments have numbers and we must too now there is some power in having metrics and most of it comes down to this is that somebody with metrics has a more believable opinion than somebody without. Uh, there's a saying, it's without metrics, you're just another person with an opinion. And so there is some power in having metrics to explain what you do and what you're trying to do. There is power in that. But if that's the only reason you have metrics, then you're missing the boat, especially when it comes to hire hacking. Because the way that a hacker uses it is they use these metrics to identify where their biggest opportunities are to go and start making changes, right? We can show the process and what's going on or the progress as we start making changes, right? It won't always tell the whole story though. Just keep in mind, the metrics you gather on your hiring process, if it's not working, are the measurements of failure or mediocrity. That's not where we're trying to go. So once again, don't look at the metrics and think they're going to hold the secret to how to fix everything. 
Most likely what they are is the baseline so you can track your progress to prove that what you're doing is making things better. And when it makes it worse, you're going to turn around, undo it, and try something different. Right? And so as we drill into these metrics, right, we want to first start and, and look at our spirit animal. Now, this, this comes from a book called Borrowing Brilliance. And, and Borrowing Brilliance, man, phenomenal book. You can read it or go read the summary online. But the entire premise of higher hacking comes from the idea that if there isn't best practice in your own world, meaning the hiring world, that what you can do is go and find a similar world out there that is similar enough to what you're doing and borrow their approach to it. And so this entire podcast and everything I teach is honestly just a borrow of the growth hacking marketing world and concepts. And so instead of claiming it as mine, I'm actually going to talk you through where this came from. In, in the marketing hire hack or, or growth hacking world, we have something called the pirate funnel, right? And the pirate funnel is the way that a growth hacker looks at business. They look at and specifically the metrics that drive business. It looks like a funnel. Attach this podcast. There's a link. You can go and look at the pirate funnel off of that link and you'll see what it looks like, right? The pirate funnel. I'm going to pop it open on my screen so I can talk through it, is basically the kind of default template for how to view the metrics of customer acquisition and retention. You start with awareness, how many people even know that your company and your product exists. You go down to acquisition, how many of those people are actually coming to your website. You go to activation, how many of the people who land on your website actually move forward, right? They actually submit a lead form or something like that. You go to revenue, how many of those people actually buy? They actually give you money and how much money they give you. Next, you go to retention. How many of them stay around and keep giving you money? And finally, you have referral. And referral isn't just how many referrals you get. It's how many of your customers refer more than one person. You see, if you really want to know that you've got an awesome product, an awesome service, and like the, the potential for customers to have staying power, the measurement is not that they're paying you money or that they stick around. The true measurement is they tell other people. It's where the, the NPS net promoter score comes from. It's a one, one through 10 or zero through 10 measurement of how likely are you to refer somebody to our business? Well, the real number you wanna see isn't just what they say they'll do, it's actually are they referring people? And so this is the pirate funnel. Now in true hacker format, it's not perfect, right? For different companies in different industries, they'll take this, this funnel and they'll tweak it out. Uh, it's different for a software company than it is for an auto dealership. But, but the pirate funnel as a framework or starting point or template is the most successful way to look at it. And it's not just that there's a funnel with metrics being tracked. It's that hackers focus the majority of their attention not on dumping more stuff in the top of the funnel, but in maximizing the conversion of the steps of the funnel. Conversion, super important word here. Conversion is just the percentage of people who move from one step to the next, right? So on this pirate funnel, it'd be the percentage of people who are aware and then go to your website. That percentage is a conversion rate. It's a percentage that's the, the bottom one divided by the top one, right? How, on acquisition versus activation, and it would be called the activation rate, would be what percentage of people who land on your website actually fill out a form. And so as you go down through and you track the numbers, you then go back and you look or compute the conversion rates of each step. And the lowest number is the bottleneck or where you have the greatest opportunity, 
right? Because, because the inverse is the opportunity. If we, for instance, say that of 100 people who submit a lead form, we only sell 10 of them our product, that's a 10% close rate, but the opposite, 90%, is our opportunity rate, right? 90% of these leads could be turned into something else if we could just figure it out. And that's a huge, huge number of potential opportunity. Now, the reason why hackers focus, and it doesn't mean they don't focus on in dumping more stuff in the top of the funnel, but the reason why they hold off and focus more attention on conversion is, number one, conversion generally doesn't cost money. Dumping more people in the top of the funnel does. So they start off with conversion because it's normally where they can make the biggest bang for the buck. The second reason they focus on conversion is because they know if they get that conversion to be optimized, and, and optimized is not an end, it's kind of like, hey, it's good and it's as good as we can get right now. They know that then when they dump people in the top of the funnel, that they're most likely to turn into money at a high enough rate to pay them back so they can do it again. Big companies don't focus on that because big companies have a crap ton of money, right? They seem to be able to throw money at anything. Little guys and growth hackers don't have huge funds. So if they are expending money or time or effort to dump people in the top of their funnel, they need to know that they're going to get the biggest bang or maximize the likelihood that somebody falls out the bottom of the funnel and becomes a paying customer who sticks around and refers people. Now, using that concept, right? We look at what you do with those metrics when it comes to hiring, because once again, we're going to take and we're going to borrow that pirate funnel and we're going to turn it into what's called the talent funnel. And again, if you go into the podcast description, there's a link that you can go and you can download the sample talent funnel. And again, this is a zoomed out funnel, right? Same way that pirate funnel is zoomed out. We zoom all the way out and we look at our main categories, right? We look at reach. How many job seekers do you reach? We look at engage. How many people that are on those sources actually see your ad, right? How many total people are on Indeed in your area versus how many people actually view the ad on, say, Indeed? How many of those people actually apply for the job? How many of the people who applied you actually hire? How many of the people you hire actually make it through the first 90 days? Activation, right? How many of the people you hire actually make it to the first year? Retention, right? How many of those people who make it to the first year, how many employees perform at or above expectations? And then finally, how many employees refer at least one friend? Because once again, the proof that you're creating a job that your employees like, the proof of employee satisfaction is them referring a friend to your company because they don't do it for money. We're going to talk about this in a future podcast, but employees generally are not making that referral for cash. They're making it for other reasons. And most likely they're not going to refer a friend if they hate working for you. So this is the talent funnel. Now the way a growth hacker approaches this funnel is they gather up once again, gather the data, plug the numbers in and then compute your conversion rate to identify your bottlenecks. But once you identify the bottleneck, you actually have to drill down deeper into those funnels by creating kind of, we can call them sub funnels. You can go and download the talent funnel with sub funnels and you'll see I've broken it in to four more detailed funnels, the sourcing funnel, the screening or selection or hiring funnel, the activation funnel and the performance and retention funnel. See, we've taken the talent funnel and we broke it down into four more detailed funnels because the more drilled down we get, 
the easier it will be to get to a problem set or a bottleneck or an opportunity where there's only a handful of inputs for us to start pulling the levers on. And so if we drill down and we want to look at just say the sourcing funnel is a good example, whether it's sourcing, attraction, whatever you want to call it, this is the qualified applicant funnel. Qualified applicants are the output or the bottom of the funnel. And it's really just kind of five core steps, right? Sourcing reach. Again, how many people visit the sources where your jobs are posted? Job ad views. How many of those people actually view your ad? Apply starts. How many people actually start applying for a job, which is different than apply completion, the people who actually finish it and hit the thank you page. And then finally, how many of those people were considered qualified or meeting the minimum qualifications for the job? Once again, if we have this sourcing funnel, we would take and we'd plug in our numbers, right? How many people are on those job boards in the area? How many actually view our jobs? Now, some of these metrics might be hard to get to. That doesn't mean you freak out and give up. You may have to estimate. You may have to find imperfect ways to track it. I can tell you, you can definitely track job ad views and apply starts on your career site. If your ATS system doesn't provide that data, you could use something like Google Analytics. If not, demand it. Most companies don't track anything above the completed application part. They don't track apply starts or job ad views or, or the how many app people are out there on the job boards. They don't because they just don't see why it's important. And that really comes down to the fact that most employers believe that if there are qualified job seekers out there that they will apply. And if they don't actually finish the application, then they must not be dedicated enough or qualified enough to do the job. And that simply isn't true. You as a underdog do not have the luxury of believing that the fact is that people who don't apply for your job might just not find it that interesting they might not find it that compelling they might find that you've created too much friction in the apply process for how much value you would given them up to this point and so as we look down through again these metrics we're able to take and plug in our numbers source reach job ad views apply starts completed and qualified and then we can go back and we can compute the conversion rates through each step the lowest number or the lowest numbers are bottlenecks that's where we start it doesn't mean that's the only way we can improve technically we can improve all the way up and down right we would go through, we take these metrics and we would identify where we have the potential to make an impact, right? We would take and we'd break it down into those areas. We would take and we'd compute the numbers. Now, computing these numbers is something that you can do a ton of stuff with. Once you have, say, this sourcing funnel, and I'll post a link to the hiring funnel as well, the, the actual screening and selection funnel. But we're going to focus initially on sourcing because it is the most powerful part. But once you have this kind of concept of how you're tracking the data, you can use it a lot of different ways. You could look at the overall numbers, meaning as an entire company for, say, this month versus last month, what do these funnels look like? You could drill down deeper and say, let's compute this just by source. Let's look at the funnel metrics for Indeed versus employer referrals, right? You could do it based on location, department, job title. Right? You could say, let's look at the, the sourcing funnel just for our teller jobs or just for this one location. Right? And again, what you're looking to do is you could compare and contrast them. 
but really you're setting a baseline to say, okay, now that we know our baseline, where should we try to change something? Because again, the power of a growth hacker is not in spending more money. The power is in their creativity and willingness to start making changes, right? To start tweaking and adjusting. It's not a big giant change. You don't change everything at once. You pick something small, right? And so you take and you look at this and you say, cool, now we know where we have opportunities. The goal is to number one measure. And again, I'm going to give you kind of the goals of what we do here. Number one measure, not perfect, just consistent, right? It's not perfect data. It just needs to be measured consistently the same way. The reason is, is because what we're looking to do is compare our baseline of today versus what happens next month after we make some changes. So number one is measure it. Number two, compute those conversion rates, right? Go step by step, compare the bottom step to the one above it, compute a percentage and write it out there and look for the smallest one. It tells us where our biggest opportunities are. Number three is to run what we call the inter iteration flow. It's where we figure out what we could do, what our options are, and we actually implement it. And it's pretty simple. It starts with kind of the, the idea generation or coming up with hypotheses of what could be wrong. We start by asking ourselves why. Hmm. Well, only 10% of the people who view our ad actually apply, start applying. Hmm. Why? Why could that be? We ask why over and over and over again. Maybe they're not qualified. Cool, that's the given. But what else could it be? Well, maybe, they're, maybe they don't find the job interesting. Maybe it seemed like it'd be too hard and so they decided to come back later and they never came back. Maybe our job doesn't compare well with everybody else's job. You see, you can ask that why question over and over and over again and you don't, don't judge the reasons, just come up with all of them, right? Once you have those whys, you're going to come up with a what if, right? What if our job is boring and it's causing people not to apply? What if the words we're using make, make the job ad not show up very high in the search and so job seekers never even see it? What if? And then we come up with the actual action plan. We're saying, hmm, well, how might we solve for that? How might we make our job more interesting and you come up with a bunch of ideas what you're going to end up doing in this process is generating a whole ton of ideas you're going to have to go through and pick one of them to test and you do this by comparing and contrasting them based on a handful of things you say well what's the potential impact of this idea hopefully the impact is huge right you also have to factor in the cost how much time or effort or money Will this idea cost us? Because if it has a high impact but a high cost, that might not be the one you choose compared to one with a little bit less impact with no cost. And the last one, do we expect it to work, right? Do we have experience in doing this or proof that it will work? Because what we're really looking for is to pick the, the ideas to test out that have the highest potential impact for the lowest actual cost with the most, with the highest expectation that it will work, right? And so we go through and we pick them. And once we have that in place, we actually test it. We make some changes, but we aim small and miss small, right? I, I think a lot of times in business, we think that great, vast changes, huge projects and initiatives are the way that you make improvement. That is simply not true. You make small changes over time. That is one of the, one of the beliefs of the, the higher hacker that's different than the, than the big dog is they believe in the power of small changes. 
So you make a small change. You make a small change every single day. You measure whether it helped. If it made a difference, you keep doing it. If it didn't make a difference, pull it back. What does this mean in actuality? Well, for instance, when we get into talking about job ads, I'm not going to change all my job ads. That would take forever. I'll change one job ad and I'll see if it makes a difference. If it makes a difference, then I'll change the next one. If it doesn't, I'll revert it back and try something different. You see, one job at a time. I might change the apply process for just one group of applicants. Just the group of applicants. Now I know compliance says we need everybody jumping through the same hoops, but that you can do by job. So I might change the apply process just for my sales job, just for my technology job, just for my marketing job. You see, aim small, miss small. I'll test it. I'll identify how long the test needs to be. Hey, it'll take a week. I'm going to look at the data. If the data improves, then I'll do more of it. If it doesn't, I'll revert it back and I'll try something different. And then we analyze and we start over again. We go back to the top of the funnel. We pick one of our other ideas that we think we have the biggest impact, least amount of money, most likely to work, right? We pick that one. We pick a small test. We try it. If it works, we keep doing it, we expand it. If it doesn't, we revert back. And then we start over again. And this is the process that a hire hacker uses to take his metrics and his data, to identify where his potential areas are, to come up with ideas and, and, and different schemes or, or things to test, to actually go and test them and prove they work, and then to start all over again. You see, one of the biggest keys that, that hackers believe is that improvement and progress never ends. This is not a destination we're going to. This is an approach or a way of life, right? Because things will change. The environment will change. The economy will change. The, uh, you know, your competitors will change or local, you know, what's going on in our country right now could fundamentally throw us into a recession, which would change the competition for talent. The beauty that a hacker has when they have the right paradigm, and they have the right metrics funnel, and they have the right approach, this iterative approach, is that they're constantly looking to improve or tweak things. So as the market conditions change, we again go back to the power. The power of the big dog is their money and their team size and, and their brand name. And the downside of the big dog is all those same things. They're slow to change. They're slow to adjust. They have so much red tape. And so when there's chaos or market fluctuations or, or we adjust from a, a talent market to an employer market or we, we adjust from low unemployment to high unemployment, in those periods of transition or chaos is where hackers have the most potential to gain ground. Because when there's chaos, the people who win are those who have the most empathy, the most knowledge of what's going on, who try new things and tweak, who are fast and rapid to iterate not the small moving ships. And so that right there is the concept of metrics when it comes to hire hacking. Do we still track quality of hire and, and you know cost of hire and time to fill? Sure we do. But even in those, you'll see as we get into those other sections, that N number doesn't actually tell you what to do. We, we go through the same thing. We build funnels. Even whether we're tracking quantity making it through or days that it takes to make it through, it's all the same. We're going to create a funnel. We're going to track that data. We're going to look for where we have the highest potential and we're going to go work on that area and see if we can't make improvement. Because again, metrics in the current HR world 
is about the end result. It's a scoreboard. But the scoreboard doesn't tell you what to do, and it doesn't tell you or show you that what you're doing actually is improving things and getting better. It's a lagging indicator, and these, these funnel metrics are leading indicators, which is what we want. They're what we want to focus on because as we drill down, it will help us feel confident that the changes we're about to make will work, which is what we want to reduce our risk. So thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I hope that at this point, you're kind of grasping the concept. We nailed down the paradigm and the way we look at the world. We nailed down the metrics we're going to use to kind of show us exactly where we should improve. And we just nailed down the approach that we take. We'll dig more into that approach and these three concepts we will come back to over and over and over again. The paradigm, the metrics, and the improvement or iteration approach. Because you're going to hear it in every episode, in every example, in every tactic, you're going to find those three things pop back up. Because it's just the way of life for somebody trying to hack the result. For somebody trying to compete against the big dogs by going about things differently. Thanks so much for listening today. Hey, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Go and subscribe so that you get updates every time. Go and share this podcast with your friends, with people in your SHRM group, other people that you run into, your professional network, share it on LinkedIn or Facebook. Please, please, please bring more people to the table and to this knowledge. Not only does it help us, it also helps you. It will give you people you know who are trying the same things. There is safety in numbers. There's confidence when you're not the only person doing it. So make sure you subscribe to our podcast. You can go. We have a Facebook group and a LinkedIn group. You're welcome to join it. You can ask questions in there and, and drill down and submit things to us so that we know what to talk about next. And of course, if you want to connect to me, you can simply send me an email. My email address is Ryan K, R-Y-A-N, letter K for my last name, Kohler, at hire-hacker.com. So thanks so much for listening. Until next time, good luck hiring.